0: Between Two COOs is a podcast where phenomenal chief operating officers from all sorts of companies come to share their insights, advice, and crazy stories. Hello, and welcome to Between Two COOs. I'm your host, Michael Koenig, and I'm excited to welcome our guest, Marie Prokopet, COO of Nira, a software as a service used by enterprise IT teams to protect company documents from unauthorized access. Welcome, Marie. Thanks for being here.
1: Hey, Michael. Yeah, thanks so much for having me.
0: Did I do Nira Justice?
1: You absolutely did. Yeah, that's okay. exactly
0: what we do. Okay. Perfect, perfect. Well, we'll definitely get there. I want to hear more about it. But you've had quite the career from strategy at PwC to Diageo and then into software. I mean, you've been a part of $26 billion worth of M&A, mm-hmm. and now you've built four software products. And oh, and you write uh, comedy on the side, right? Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> With all of this going on, how'd you end up a COO? What was what was your path?
1: Yeah, um, so my path has definitely been winding. Uh, I I started out. I got a business undergrad because my parents really wanted me to study business. They're you know immigrants from Russia. They came over in the '70s, and yeah, for them, like business was the way to go. They even told me you can. You can be a computer scientist (laughs) or you can be, you know, working at a company, just doing something related to business. And so I tried that out Um, my undergrad and I was like, I really don't like this (laughs) back then. uh, I just, it just, yeah, I just wasn't that excited about it. And it's probably that rebellious part of me that just didn't want to do what my parents said to do. And um, so then I ended up getting a master's in English Lit, which is like so far off from, you know, business undergrad.
0: Yeah, no, totally. Totally. Philosophy. Yeah. Okay. Philosophy. So you, I went through the same thing. That's funny. I get it. Yeah. So I you get, get it. it.
1: So yes, you don't mm-hmm. have to follow a certain path education wise to be a COO. And then from there, I kind of, I wanted to get a job right out of grad school. I realized that journalism like just doesn't pay much at all. That was what I was thinking of back then. It was like 21 grand a year was the starting salary, which like nobody can live in New York city <laughs> where you have to be to, you know, on that salary back then. So. Yeah, I ended up kind of finding my way into business writing. And very quickly thereafter, I got sucked into, started out at PricewaterhouseCoopers, went from uh, marketing into the strategy and M&A consulting practice, uh, worked on some really, really awesome deals, um, really learned a ton, did not touch tech back then. um, So I didn't get scared away. (laughs) It was all like mostly retail, consumer, automotive, and a few other industries. And then Ended up over at Diageo uh, doing strategy as well, um, a bit of MA, and then um, got into product development, which uh, was actually called innovation at Diageo. And really loved building products. Like that was my first foray into building something. Back then, it was like a physical good, and I loved that. And I loved all the different aspects, and I was super into all the risks there could be and mitigating the risks. All that really nerdy stuff and, and there's a lot that can go wrong you know when you're building something people consume and then you know at a certain point in my career at diageo i was there for like five and a half years i decided i wanted to go off and do something on my own i didn't quite know what at that point i was living in san francisco and i i just kind of got sucked into the startup scene because you inevitably meet people in startups when you're in san francisco and met my co-founder um well now co-founder and it's just yeah it's just history since then so that was about five and a half years ago um left my kind of stable steady job and yeah ended up doing what i'm doing now which is you know i'm the co-founder and ceo of nira and every day is different <laughs> and just constantly learning
0: so how'd you end up because as as a business person you could have gone into the ceo role you could have gone into the COO role How did you end up in the COO position? What was it about it?
1: Yeah, it's really funny when I was much younger. So earlier in my career, people used to always tell me or say to each other and then tell me about it. Like, I can see Marie being a COO of a public company. And I always thought, like, why? I didn't even know what a COO was. I was like, why do they think that? I don't really understand. And um, I still am (laughs) still figuring that part out. But um, And hopefully public at some point. But, you know, for me, really, I I do love the kind of like nuts and bolts of making the organization work, scaling an organization. I do really, I'm more kind of risk minded and thorough, and I don't like to make just like uh, random quick decisions. Not to say that I move slowly, but I like to be pretty thoughtful. I'm also slightly more risk averse, I'd say, than the average startup CEO. So for me, the COO role was just kind of natural and people could see that before before I did.
0: That's great. And you found a, a great CEO that that was a good fit for. You kind of balance yeah. each other out.
1: Yeah, we really do. I mean, we didn't have titles for our jobs for the longest time. That's something that kind of comes when you've raised money and you just have to make up who's doing what and then especially who owns raising money. Yeah, I think that's another thing. Like I don't love at least today. I don't love going out in the spotlight. Like I'm not the person that wants to go and do a talk in front of, you know, 500 people. Um, I used to be afraid of podcasts. That was like a couple of years ago. I'm okay now, but I'm, I'm less the person that wants to go run around and do fundraising and things like that. And I'm the more, the person that wants to focus on like, how do you get things going in the business?
0: As a COO now, what surprised you about the role? What didn't you expect?
1: Huh. Um, Well, for us, and we're probably not traditional in terms of how we've structured things, we've put a lot of the customer facing uh, parts of the business under the COO. So I own marketing, which includes go to market, uh, sales, and then all the kind of customer facing customer success, eventually customer support too. And I didn't expect that. I thought as a COO, Maybe I'd have fewer reports (laughs) or like maybe I'd be focused on, let's say legal and HR. Um, I didn't quite expect to have so much customer facing stuff that I was also responsible for. So that was a huge surprise. And I I do think that it works really well because we almost even consider for our company, you know, we're, we're a security product. We're building, you know, the tool that we're building and have is for IT and security folks primarily. And then also, you know, some secondary customers like legal and compliance. But yeah, it makes a lot of sense. We basically split the org between engineering and non-engineering. And so I end up managing a lot of the kind of non-engineering parts of it, as well as obviously collaborating a bunch with engineering. And then, you know, there's the other surprises that happen, which are the daily um, things are going off the rails. How do you fix it? I had a big one of those this morning that started at like, uh, I think 8 a.m. or something. And so you're just constantly kind of surprised by those daily oh crap <laughs> there's this thing I have to fix. Yeah, and I'm sure you're used to that too. I mean when we, when we were chatting earlier before we started recording, you said something like this podcast is going to help you kind of wind down after all the craziness of being a COO. And so yeah, there's just the the daily the daily things that you're you're constantly dealing with. And I think a COO's role also is a bit different for a startup than a larger company because you have to kind of balance risk and being risk averse and being super thorough with, okay, we don't have much time to move. Every day is like a huge deal. And obviously, startups don't have infinite cash in the beginning, of course, either. So you're you're basically fighting against the clock in so many different ways. And so that's something that I think as a COO, you have to be really flexible on. And and yeah, I think that is surprising. Like you wouldn't think COOs are really that flexible necessarily. And but you've gotta you've gotta have that muscle.
0: Absolutely, and especially going into the go to market side of the business, was that something that you'd had a lot of experience with?
1: I've done a lot of things like in in many roles at, at the couple companies I've worked at, and sales and customer success. I had never touched anything related to those. I had done some like selling materials that I, you know, worked on. So and definitely a bunch of marketing stuff. But yeah, this is a a new adventure for me, for sure. And, you know, there's a lot of rigor that we can add to it from an operational standpoint, dashboarding. uh, What are the basically what are the goals and outcomes? And that's what I keep pushing on constantly, like every single day is what what's the outcome of this meeting? What are the, what's the goal that we want to get to, then of course, measuring ourselves against those goals. So the nice thing about sales is you can kind of systematize it, and even customer success as well.
0: So in terms of getting acclimated to the go to market side, what are some resources that you found helpful?
1: I don't personally love reading a lot of the business books. I don't know if it's like that rebellious side of me from college when I was like, "Oh, I don't like business school." I don't know if that's what's coming out yet. Yeah, it might be. I learn experientially by doing, and so for the go-to-market side, I mean, I didn't know how to do any of this stuff in software. I basically just try it. <laughs> you know, you try a methodology. You you kind of guess how to do it and you do it and i'm obviously lucky to have folks that i'm surrounded by who have tons of experience so there's never a question i won't ask i think that's another thing that really helps is always ask questions if you don't understand something don't be shy or embarrassed for me on the go-to-market side i really learn a ton from our customers we have really brilliant advisors too that i'm you know talking to about even like marketing ideas um, go-to-market strategies sales, things that we're working on, like, those are brilliant resources for us. And it's different than just reading it in a book, because these are folks who have grown companies or had, you know, specific roles, like they were CIOs or, you know, running sales. And yeah, that's the, for me, that's the best resource.
0: We'll be right back. This week's episode of Between Two COOs is brought to you by Running Remote, the world's premier remote work conference on building remote teams and businesses. Now in its fifth year, Running Remote is curated to teach you the secret strategies and tactics you can use the very next day to manage and grow your remote team. Incredible executives from companies like Cisco, Zoom, Citrix, Twitter, Upwork, Toyota, Automatic, and Pixar have graced the stage to share their vast knowledge. More than 6,000 leaders have attended Running Remote events, and now after a brief virtual only stint, Running Remote is back with a live in-person event on May 17th and 18th in Montreal, Canada. You can get 30% off tickets if you use my special coupon code BETWEEN2COOS, that's spelled B-E-T-W-E-E-N-T-W-O-C-O-O-S, at runningremote.com. See you there. We all have those moments where you kind of look up and you go, well, never thought I'd see that. Do you have one that, that comes to mind that you can share with us?
1: Yeah, I'll share one that's related to a, uh, something that our product helps with that just came to mind first. Uh, I was working with one vendor of ours that had access to a bunch of confidential information and they work with a different vendor as well. So, so there's now a, a second, third party and they're not the most sophisticated vendor when it comes to like Google shared drives. And also neither is anyone necessarily. It's like, it can be really confusing. It's part of why near exists. And so vendor a we'll call them basically created a folder, but they just did it by copying vendor B's folder structure that they had for like different clients. And it just so happened that literally every single person at vendor B was added to this folder. It was like an all at that company account. Yeah. And so me, I'm like I said, I'm risk averse. I'm suddenly looking at this and I'm like, okay, wait, (laughs) you know, how is it that vendor B even has access to this stuff? And then why does vendor B have every single person at their company? And it was even worse. It was like, they could search for the stuff. And this is things like board notes and all sorts of stuff that you just don't want out there. Yeah. Um, So that was a crap moment where I had to kind of scramble. I had another one of those moments today where It's another vendor A and B kind of thing. Vendor A recommended a different vendor to work with on something. And so cool, we trust vendor A. Vendor B was really bad and didn't align with like best practices from from vendor A that we already trust and some software that vendor A provides. And then I told vendor A like, hey, just so you know that they don't align, like you shouldn't recommend these folks and there's some other issues. Vendor A told vendor B all this stuff. Vendor B emails me and is like, Hey, I heard you have a problem with us. And so I'm like, Oh God. And this is like multiple hours of work that was about to go to waste. Things resolved themselves, but it was over the course of a day and tons of scrambling and trying to kind of manage all these relationships and being willing to walk away from people too. Like I was willing to walk away from both of the vendors. I'm trying to think of stuff that's, that's more of an oh crap.
0: I don't yeah. know, sharing, of, <laughs> the, the, sharing everything from vendor A to yeah. vendor B, that's, that's a pretty big oh crap. So yeah. And that's like a, a screaming advertisement too for why yeah. what you're building exists.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And
0: what took you guys down that path? What took you and Heaton and the rest of your team down the path?
1: Yeah, so we actually started out as an enterprise search tool. It was called FYI. And it would allow employees to basically connect all of the different collaboration apps they were using. We supported like 24 different apps like Gmail and uh, Google Workspace and Slack and Microsoft Office, all those types of things. Um, And then they could search across the apps and find documents they needed. And we were really focused on solving that problem. It is still to this day, a big problem for folks. But we kind of learned this additional use case one day where Heaton and I were onboarding a a new customer to the tool in person in in San Francisco. Uh, This was years back. And he kind of, you know, he got into our tool and he was like, what did you guys do? He started freaking out. He's the CEO of like a 50 person startup. And we were like, what do you mean? What's wrong? And so in our collaboration app, Basically, on the right sidebar, it shows every single person who has access to documents. And he's like, "You shared the documents with all these people who shouldn't have access." And of course, we didn't, so we told them, "Okay, click on the people that you're concerned about." And he did, and he's like, "Oh God, you know, this person was a contractor. They haven't worked with us in years. They have access to all these confidential documents that are being changed all the time. This person, like, this is their personal email. They're an employee. I don't know why they have access on here." This person, we fired, it's like a really bad situation and they still have access to a bunch of stuff. And so he was freaking out. They were about to um, do another round. Like he wanted to just have everything buttoned up for that fundraising process. So this guy was up until 3 a.m. using our tool, basically clicking on the documents specifically that these people had access to and removing them. And that was easier than how Google did it, but it was still so laborious because he had to do it, you know, individual document, individual person at a time. So that's the first time Keaton and I thought, okay, wow, like there's something here. This is a problem. And then what we started doing after that was essentially talking to IT people because this is what IT people do. They own this. You can look in their job descriptions, and a lot of them it, it actually says, you know, they have to um, administer Google Workspace or OneDrive and you know control access on on documents. And the more IT people we talked to the more we realized that this is both you know a huge problem and also nobody solved it and and something is simple like it's a simple question right like who has access to your company documents and folks can't answer it and so so that was when we we just started building the tool and the more IT people we talked to the more we realized like we should not be focused on the enterprise search side of things like we just need to put all of our efforts towards You know the new security product, and we ended up really focusing on that for probably the last year and a half. We've been focused on it. We've had customers since last year. um, You know, sizable companies for sure, and public and pre-IPO. And then we we kind of uh, went public with the fact that we had this product, and we we pivoted our name. So now we're called Nira. Uh, We got a new four-letter domain, which is awesome, uh, Nira.com. That was that was not fun. (laughs) That's another surprise from an operational standpoint. Is Buying domains uh, and dealing with all that stuff, and yeah, that that's that's um that's another story. But uh, yeah, we we pivoted to be Nira, and um, just a hundred percent focus on protecting company documents. And you know, we started with Google Workspace, but we'll we'll be adding more um, applications soon, and and also expanding beyond just documents.
0: And so, if there are people listening right now, I guarantee that a lot of us have all experienced that where it's oh, wow, that that person stopped working here four years ago, but none of us want to admit (laughs) that we found this and we just (laughs) quietly cleaned it up. And I can think of a number of times when I personally have come across this, and then it becomes even more of a problem when you start working with different law firms, say, or consultants, right? You're pulling in social media consultants and you just gotta really tighten up those access controls. So Nira makes a lot of sense. It sounds like y'all. Really, kind of stumbled across uh, a great solution to a problem that we all have, and uh, maybe aren't admitting it.
1: Yeah, you wouldn't believe the kind of the stuff we find for customers. It's uh, it's pretty scary. <laughs> I mean, just the hidden the hidden things that sit there for years and persist, and nobody has visibility into it. And we've had multiple customers be like, "Oh my god, like there could be lawsuits on this stuff. This is really scary."
0: You should yeah. have like a little icon that just <laughs> reminds people to breathe. That's just, that's a good idea. It's all going to, everything's going to be okay. Just a reminder. Totally. Everything's going to be okay. Just breathe. It's kind of like an Apple that. watch, right? Just yeah. Take a I love that. Breathe today. Yeah.
1: That is good. Yeah. It's oh, funny you're welcome. Too. It, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it scares like startups all the way up. Uh, Cause it, yeah. 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 With startups. I mean, I'm sure you've created like a lot of like, I'm creating a document, on my personal account, you don't even realize. Sometimes And then, yeah, uh, one other thing I want to say about just the, the problem. It's interesting. We did a, we did a security survey, basically like employee security practices, and this blew my mind. I think it was that 32% of people said that they can literally today go and access documents from previous employers that are like currently sitting in Google Dropbox or Microsoft products. Like they still have access. That blew my mind. And then like 20% were like, we didn't check. So it could be way higher. So it's, yeah, it's, it's just frightening.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. The last question for new COOs, for the veterans that are going into a new business to their next role, what advice would you give them to someone just walking in and, and trying to learn the ropes and figure out what they need to do?
1: I think you know first of all you want to treat every experience like a learning experience. Um I was talking to someone earlier today I was just I was interviewing a candidate and they're at really large companies and they're super operationally minded and they were just asking like at a startup or a smaller company how do you deal with the lack of resources? How do you ask someone what to do when there's nobody there like there's no real resource that knows the answer and it's on you. And so for me it's been a big exercise in being open to just learn and make mistakes and obviously do your best <laughs> to not make super egregious mistakes and and obviously take measured risks but i think having that kind of learning mindset and not putting so much pressure on yourself to have the right answer immediately is really really helpful or else you're just going to kind of get stunned by all the things that are being thrown at you i think also just really learning how to context switch And for some people that comes naturally and for some other people, they have to kind of learn to do that because as a COO, you're just going to have to deal with just all the different issues that are coming at you, all the different people in the company that you need to work with, all the different initiatives. You just have to be able to go from one thing and then like shut that right off once you're done with it and then move on to the next thing that you have to tackle. I don't know if you ever deal with that, but that's one that I'm just like constantly context switching all day long.
0: Absolutely. That's what it's about. Sometimes you feel like uh, you're playing whack-a-mole. Mm-hmm. Do you have any secret tips for context switching? Mm,
1: I think just not getting hung up on, like, basically you have to let something go. You can't get hung up and keep thinking about something. Like you can't be in one conversation with somebody and then like have your next meeting and continuous continue thinking about the last thing. I take a lot of notes. Actually, that is one of my, I wouldn't say it's just for COOs, but that's like one of my hidden really, I guess, talents or superpowers. I take like crazy organized notes. And so then any time that this thing comes up again, I can just like look in the notes and then I can give exactly what happened. No, sometimes I'm like, I mean, you can see me on the video, but like I've got a million of these lying around. So I have a million of the kind of handwritten notes. But for me, I just type a lot. So during meetings, I'm usually just like feverishly typing. And that helps me both process information as well as, again, be able to come back to it and context switch because I'm not worried about keeping all of that information straight. Like it's it's just there if I need it.
0: Right. Well, there you have it. That's great advice. So figure out how to context switch, everyone. Don't make decisions quickly. Let things... Marinate. And make them quickly. <laughs> and make them quickly. Yeah. Don't listen. Don't make them quickly, but make oh, them quickly. Oh, exactly. That's, the, That's what you
1: have to do. And
0: that'll be that'll be the uh, the title of this episode. Nice. Well, there you have it. So nira.com, is that where people should go to check it out?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Nira.com. Um, You can obviously find uh, me or my co-founder on Twitter, Marie at or Marie Prokopets is, is the name. And then my co-founders, he's HN Shah, uh S-H-A-H, his Twitter. He's got more followers than me, but <laughs> quite a few.
0: Quite a few. Well, listen, everyone, go check out Nira, And when you find out all of the random people that have access to your documents, just remember, it's
1: going okay. okay. to <laughs> be okay.
0: Breathe. Breathe. It's going to be okay. Breathe. Thanks for listening to Between Two COOs. I'm your host, Michael Koenig, and a very special thank you to our guest, Marie Prokopetz, for dropping some knowledge on us. Tune in next time for our next COO chat on Between Two COOs, and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. Just visit BetweenTwoCOOs.com for more. And if you have a minute, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and tell others about the show so they can get great advice from phenomenal COOs. Thanks for listening to this week's episode and tune in next time. Until then, so long.